What's up, 4640? It is super good to be back, because last week I was sick. Anybody been sick recently? Seems like stuff's going around. Wash your hands, use some hand sanitizer. But I wasn't just sick. I was sick. I was sick, guys. I was really sick. I had, I didn't even know this was possible. I had both types, type A and B influenza, duking it out in my body last week. I had both at the same time. The, the, I had the, have you ever had a flu swab? It's the worst thing in the world. I thought a strep swab was bad. They get this really long, skinny uh, Q-tip, really tiny Q-tip, and then they shove it in your nose and they touch your brain with it. It was the worst. My wife was like mortified. She was, you know what I'm talking about, right, Sierra? Yeah, that thing's terrible. That is the reason I'm going to get a flu shot every year. Not because I had the flu, the swab. The swab was the worst. It was the worst. I was so sick last week. And one of the worst things about it was my migraines. You guys ever had headaches to where you can't see? Oh, they're the worst. They're the worst. And it was so bad that like even watching TV would just set my headaches out. Like, I couldn't even watch Netflix. I still did. I'm so brave. But I was sick. I was super sick. No, but because I had migraines and everything like that, I still, like, laid in bed and, like, just thought. You ever, been, you ever, like, stay up late at night where you can't go to sleep and you just keep thinking about stuff? Well, generally, when I just think about stuff, I think about dumb stuff. I don't know if that's just a guy thing. Probably. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure you girls come up with cures to cancer and stuff like that, but... Late at night, I think about just random stuff. And so as I was flu-ridden in bed and I couldn't watch TV or play PUBG, as well, I played a lot still, but it was this point where I just started, like, I started journaling a little bit. I started journaling a little bit and I, I started doing, taking a little diary, okay? And I, I called them the flu diaries. I called them. So what I want to do right now is I want to share with you some of my flu diaries. Lost to the voids of my flu-ridden mind, I have succumbed to the wonder of this world and beyond. These are those wonderings. Thank you. I needed some flu-writing music. Flu-diary writing music. Flu-diary number one. Do you think Jesus ever told the Pharisees to give it a rest for harassing him on the Sabbath? I'd like to think he did. Flu-diary number two. You know, somewhere out there in the world is someone that works for like a sport complex or something like that, whose job, literal job, is to level the playing field. You know that guy or girl, equality, you know, sleeps good at night. Flu diary number three. Do you think there are some pilots out there that do a little dance after each time they land a plane? If I was a pilot, I wouldn't pass up an opportunity to do a touchdown dance. That one's funny. <laughs> Flu diary number four. When Jesus was growing up, do you think when his mom told him to take a bath, he would walk up to the trough or whatever they had and just stand on top of the water? You know, to make his mom laugh? I'd like to think he did. That's all the Flu Diaries I have for tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. That's great flu writing music. You won't get the flu by listening to those, just so you know. But I am so happy that I am flu-free, and I will now get a flu shot every year, okay? I just, I've never had a flu shot in my life, and I think it all saved up until last week is what happened. But tonight, we are talking about Jesus Diaries. The Jesus Diaries, there are four different um, books of the Bible that are basically diaries of Jesus. 
uh, their detailed accounts of Jesus' life. And I want to tell you uh, an account, a story in the Bible that is in three out of the four books that all talk about Jesus' life. Three out of four, that's 75%. That's like a C, all right? That's 75%. That is significant because I think that anything in the Bible that's repeated more than once, I mean, if it's in the Bible, it's probably pretty significant. It's the Bible, right? Basic instructions before leaving earth, duh, right? But if it's in there three times, I'm going to be like, I'm going to pay attention to this story. So Luke, John, um, Luke, John, and Mark all tell this story. And uh, we're going to look at Luke's version because Luke is a really good storyteller. He was a physician, a lot of details. He liked to tell a good story. Um, if, if, you, if you're into like action flicks, any guys in here that like love just the action films? All right, Mark is your gospel. Go to Mark. That's like the action flick of Jesus' life. It's like, this is what happened. This is what went down. This is where he went next. It's like a guy version of stuff, okay? Chicks, all right? John, chick flick, gospel, all right? It's about love. It's about love. And actually right now, John is my favorite one, all right? Thank you. But um, I, I just love the Bible, and I love reading stories that um, are told in different ways. And so if you're curious, go into the other gospels and, and look for this story. But it's super, um, super interesting because I think that God is really into giving us the reason why. I think that a lot of ways we can, we can work for what? Like if you are flipping burgers just to have some spending cash, okay, like you're, you're, you know what you're doing. You're just flipping burgers for money. But man, if you're flipping burgers to fill, put gas in your new car, now you have a why. Does that make sense? I have a reason to be here to flip burgers or whatever you're doing. You're working at TJ Maxx, folding clothes, like whatever it is. I think that God is in the business of giving us why. Giving us why. Because we can work for what, but we can give our life for why. And Jesus says that you are the why he gave his life. All right, and I think that God has something special for us tonight. So I want to get into one of the um, diary entries in the Bible about Jesus. And this story is a story that you might have heard plenty of different times. It's a story that maybe isn't that um, really grand. There's no sea that's split or anything like that. But I think there's some really deep meaning that God wants us to find out tonight. And so we're going to get into this. It's in Luke chapter 5. And um, I just love this story because Jesus is back in his home region of Galilee. And uh, Galilee, like Nazareth is in Gal Galilee. It's kind of like the county um, that Jesus came from. So he's back in like his home territory. And it's within a day's walk of his hometown in Nazareth. And um, he had already done some crazy stuff. He'd already calmed a storm. He um, touched somebody with le leprosy, which is like, you don't do that. You touch someone with leprosy, you, you are unclean. You're not allowed to come into town and you're going to die. So... It's like super unheard of. Jesus is healing uh, people leprosy and blindness. Um, he's turned water into wine. He's done some miracles already. And so people have heard about him. But now he comes to his home county again, his home region, and he decides to just go to some guy's house and start teaching and healing there. And a house is not like the Sermon on the Mount. He had already done this at this point where there's thousands of people like on this hillside. This is just some dude's house, all right? So it's basically like if you were a high school quarterback here and you went to CU Boulder and you won like four national championships and you came back to like your high school coach's backyard to coach a QB clinic, like it's gonna be packed. And that's kind of what is happening right now. And Jesus comes to his hometown and he's in this dude's house. And so we're gonna jump into the story in Luke 5, verse 18. 
So some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they get to this place. Imagine some friends carrying a dude that's paralyzed on a mat. Now, nowadays, we have wheelchairs, and we have things that can help people that are paralyzed and things like that. Back then, they had some, like, hay tied together, right? <laughs> like, it, it wasn't anything that I could see being as super smooth. Like, they're carrying a dude on his sleeping mat, and the dude can't move. And so I could see this being awkward, and I could see it being pretty tough. One time, my wife, she lost consciousness on her birthday. Happy birthday, honey. And I had to, like, carry her. She's only, like, 100 pounds. But when she, like, I, mean, I don't know if, how many of you have ever carried a limp body, but it is way heavier than you, than you think. And I think that these guys probably looked like they were struggling a little bit, trying to carry this person in, and now the house is full. Now the house is full. And I mean, it kind of reminds, have you ever like tried to, have you ever been somewhere where you try to get close to someone famous? Where have you seen someone famous before? I know there's so many famous people in Grand Junction. It's crazy. This is like a, a mecca for like Taylor Swift. Actually, she did come here that one time. But... It's like you try and see a famous person and then you can't, and so then you uh, can't get close to him, so then you turn around and take a selfie with him. You know what I'm talking about? Or is that just Joe? Joe did that for real. This is him. That's Chauncey Billups. I don't know for any of you that, um, does anybody know who Chauncey Billups is? No. See, no one knows, Joe. Um, he's an NBA player that was really good for the Nuggets. I didn't know who he was, but it's so funny because Joe's not even close to him in reality, but it looks like he's best friends with him. He's even looking at Joe. Maybe he knew you, Joe. Maybe that's what happened. He's like, I'm going to be, I'm going to hang out with Joe. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's not what happened. But what this verse tells me is that these friends, they saw some hope. They heard about Jesus. They heard about Jesus, and they're going to get their friend in the presence of Jesus. But the house is full. They can't get in, let alone get in carrying somebody on a mat, um, a paralyzed guy. The house is already packed, and they can't get in. They wanted to see Jesus. But you don't get mentioned in the Bible for giving up early. Well, unless you're Peter, because he just denied Jesus. Or Esau, or Eve, she gave up super early. Okay, so maybe you, get, maybe you get mentioned for giving up early, but you don't get mentioned in a good way. You don't get mentioned in a good way for giving up early. I think that there's a really common trait in the Bible of people that get mentioned that see a move of God. And they have this common trait, every single one of them. They have a measure of desperation. I believe that if God sees any measure of desperation on your part, you are about to see a move of God on his part. I, I absolutely firmly believe that, that if you come to this place or any place or just come near to God with any measure of desperation, he will meet you and you will be in awe and wonder of what he can do for your heart. And I think these guys had that measure of desperation the beautiful part about this story is that the paralyzed friends, they weren't desperate for themselves. Like you think about some of the other people that like, uh, you guys remember the, the woman who had been bleeding for like 12 years and she just touched the prayer shawl of Jesus and she was healed immediately? Um, or, or even the, the, right before that, the father that said, come heal my daughter. Like, like it's, it's for his heart too and everything like that. But these friends weren't desperate for themselves to meet Jesus. They were desperate for their friend. They were desperate for their friend. And I wonder how many of us have friends in our life that are worth being desperate for. How many of us in our lives have friends that need someone else to be desperate for them? 
because maybe they're paralyzed on the inside. Maybe they can't get to God on their own. And I think these friends, because of that desperation that was not selfish but selfless, I think that Jesus had something special in store for them. They were desperate, not for their own salvation, but for somebody else's. Luke 5, 19a. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. That seems logical, right? They can't get in. You could wait. You could wait. So, I mean, Jesus is going to come out of the house eventually, but they don't want to wait. They go up the roof, all right? Let's leave this. They, they went up the roof and took off some tiles. Now, in this day and age, there's a flat, they, a lot of these houses had flat roofs and they just had tiles that you'd take up, you know, tiles waterproof and obviously keep every, the house the house and not just like an open wall, like walls, you know? They tore up some guy's house <laughs> to get to Jesus. Do you see the desperation here? And that was their next thing. And I also think about the process of in this day and age, trying to lift a paralyzed dude up a, a wall onto a roof. I can't imagine that. One time when I was a lifeguard, I had someone that had a seizure and went face down in the water. He was 300 pounds and I had to get him out of the pool by myself. That was not easy. <laughs> that was really tough. Now, I don't know if this guy weighed 300 pounds, but I, I do know that it had to have been really hard for four people to get, and probably a little awkward at some level too, to try and get everybody up onto the top. But the tiles are what I want to focus on because I think that these guys had to come across at least three tiles that they had to pull up. And I think the first one of them was called fear. Because I think that at some level, they had to have some sort of fear in their, uh, in their heart of like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like we could hurt this dude more carrying him around we're going to tear the roof off of some guy's house. Maybe he has a shotgun. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want a hole in his roof. You know, it's not like he's like, yes, I wanted a sunroof right there. Perfect. <laughs> That's probably not what anybody had in mind. So I think that there's a measure of fear that these people went through. And then I think the guys probably had some lies that Satan began to speak to them of just like, you know what? It's not worth it. Or, or before, as they were, as they were they're climbing the roof, um, they're thinking, Jesus is not going to be happy with us. Or this isn't the right thing to do because we're destroying some property or something like that. Because I, I think that in life, when we have fear, I think lies are pretty close after that. That, that Satan tries to sow fear in our life, get us to doubt, and then sow lies to get us to believe it. And then at some level that we're going to see really soon, I think there were just a lot of awkward turtles. <laughs> I do. I think that it just got real awkward all of a sudden. Um, for these guys. And the rest of this verse, I think, kind of maps that out because in verse 15 or verse 19, it says, they went up to the roof, they took off some tiles, and then they lowered the sick man on his mat into the crowd right in front of Jesus. They dug that hole in the perfect spot, I guess. I couldn't see in there, but all right, just imagine it. I think I love putting myself in people's shoes when I read the Bible because it's funny. It's funny. Can you imagine opening holes? You're in your home region, right? And you open a hole and you're just like, oh my gosh, it's the front row. Hi, Beth. Sorry. Greg, hi. And then you just start, and then you got like a rope or something. Like, I don't know how they, they had the guy in like a bag or like, I don't know, but it's like zzz, 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 the rope. Zzz, zzz. And then in, inside, it's the front row right in front of Jesus. So everybody probably was like, like stuff's coming down. They're just like, what are you doing? And I imagine the owner's going, mm, 
I'm calling Jesus' dad because he's a carpenter. He's going to fix this. He's going <laughs> to fix it. In the home region, you never know. That was a flu diary, just so you know. Anyway, <laughs> I imagine that it was a little awkward. I imagine it was a little awkward, but the dudes still did it. They opened the hole, and they had the option of going, oh, sorry, wrong house. <laughs> and just, but they're just like, nope, you're getting in. I don't know what the guy's name was. Maybe Matt. And they... <laughs> We'll call him Matt. Why not? And so they, they put him in, and, and the, it's not like he argued or anything like that, but all of a sudden, that dude went from being with his friends to being totally alone in front of Jesus. That had to have been a little awkward. It had to have been a little funny, and I imagine Jesus probably smiling a bit here. I'd love to imagine, but the most profound verse in the entire story is spoken next by Jesus. In Luke 5.20, it says, seeing their faith. Jesus said to them, or the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. This statement that Jesus makes is absolutely profound for two reasons. One, Jesus sees the faith in the friends. He didn't see the faith in Matt. He didn't see the the faith um, in the, the owner of the house not freaking out. He saw the faith of the friends, their faith. And the friend's faith put the person that needed healing in front of Jesus. The second profound thing here is that Jesus sees broken hearts before broken parts. Jesus didn't heal his legs off the bat. He didn't even mention that he was paralyzed. I mean, I would imagine that if this guy was lowered by himself, the Bible doesn't mention if someone caught him or helped him, but if he landed alone, he's paralyzed. He can't look comfortable. Like he can't look, like he's fully exposed. And Jesus doesn't address what everybody else can see. Jesus addresses what only Jesus can see. And he says, your sins are forgiven. That is so profound. It's so profound that he saw the heart. This man who was lowered down, I would assume, was put in the presence of Jesus to be made whole. But what loomed in his heart was much, a much deeper need a need to be forgiven. And his friends put him at the feet of the only one who could make his heart walk before his legs could. You see, in that day and age, if you were paralyzed, if you were blind, if you had any sickness or leprosy or something like that, what people believed is because you sinned that that's what you got as punishment or that's what you deserved. Or maybe your parents sinned so much that you were born paralyzed or blind. And nowadays we can think that's absurd. And we see handicapped people that are paralyzed or paraplegic or even like uh, people that, that, that have like zero bodily function, but their brain's fine. I mean, they're professors. I've seen paraplegics that are pilots. I mean, in this day and age, you can do a lot of stuff. But see, back then, all society told you if you were paralyzed or blind is that you are a sinner and you're not worth it. And Jesus saw that hurt in his heart and said, your sins are forgiven. Do you see how it's so much more profound here? That the man that was on the floor paralyzed believed his whole life. And no one's perfect. I'm sure he, he sinned at some level. But his deepest need was not to walk with his legs. His deepest need to, was to know that there's someone that could forgive sins. There's someone that could make his heart whole. And Jesus is the only one that could have done it. So Jesus spoke to his heart first and said, your sins 
are forgiven. And I'm, imagine his friends are like, what about his legs? <laughs> or something like that. Like his friends are like, cool, what happens next? You know, or, or, or the people are like, yeah. And actually, some of the people grumbled um, internally a little bit, and it keeps going on in 21. It says, but the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. I imagine that's how they sounded. I don't know if that's biblically accurate. We'll have to ask JL later. But they, they grumbled this. Like, they, they thought internally. This is what they said to themselves and internally. And I love this part, too, because it's just so great. I just think it's so funny because I can't imagine. I'm trying to imagine the Pharisees' faces because in verse 22, it says, Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them. Y'all, Jesus knows your thoughts, okay? <laughs> and I imagine the Pharisees are like, sins. and Jesus is like, excuse me. I just like, right there, if I was a Pharisee, I'd be like, oh, snap, he's real. <laughs> he read my mind. No one else can do that, right? But they were a little bit hard-hearted. Jesus says this, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And for me, I was like, that's a weird thing to say, Jesus. <laughs> Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven, stand up and walk? It's the same, four words. It's four on four, Jesus, it's tied. <sighs> like, I was just thinking in my flu-ridden mind on this story. And I'm like, Jesus, why did you say that? Why did you say, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? Is it easier to say each thing? And I think that it wasn't about anybody else in the room except the guy on the floor. See, to hear that. That Jesus can heal a heart as easily as he can heal a body. And I think in this day and age, I think a little bit of that is lost. I've seen personally with my own eyes in this very room, people's actual bodies healed. I've seen ligaments be healed like that, shoulders, knees. I've seen um, a woman's leg grow. That was, she was born with it shorter, and I see, I've seen it grow. I've seen a um, baby that was on the liver transplant list. Joe was on, on, on that one. We prayed for this baby, and um, he went to the doctor the next day, and he was taken off the donor list because his liver was healed. I've seen it. See, Jesus can heal a heart just as much as a body, but Jesus sees the heart first. And I think Jesus is demonstrating for the hardened hearts here, you know what? I can heal each just as easy, but he says the heart thing first. He says the heart thing first. And I think that's because God is more interested in our hearts because these bodies will pass away. We're gonna, we did the heaven series. If you wanna look back on our podcast, like we're gonna live forever with Jesus in heaven. And we're gonna have different bodies. These bodies right here, the skin and bones will pass away, but our hearts, our eternal hearts will last forever. Verse 24, so I'll prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. That man laying paralyzed on the floor, I think that he, this is how my personal opinion of this story. I think that if the dude on the floor that was paralyzed that was just down there, couldn't move, couldn't walk. If he, all he heard was Jesus say, your sins are forgiven, I bet he would be happy as could be. I bet he would be whole and fulfilled. I think that if they just back out, he would be, he would be stoked knowing that the creator of the universe, that Jesus himself said, you're worth it. You're, you're enough. You're, 
you're good enough for me. But Jesus doesn't play by the culture's rules. And Jesus is out to make everything whole, not just one thing. And so Jesus says to the man, get up, stand up, pick up your mat, go home. Verse 25, and immediately as everyone watched, the man didn't just get up, he jumped up. He jumped up, did a 360 dunk, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. I think God is still in the business of showing his people amazing things. I think God is in the business of showing his kids who love him and the faith of a friend amazing thing. And I think when it comes down to it, this is a cool story. I really like it. But if we walk out of this place tonight and we don't do something about what we've heard and seen in the Bible, then what are we doing here? If we don't go out and we don't actually do something about what we've read and about what God's trying to say, then why are we here? I think God wants his kids to move. He wants to inspire his kids. He wants to see a measure of desperation. And it is my hope and prayer tonight that each of us get a measure of desperation in our heart. Because one of your friends could be your faith away from a move of God. Your faith. Remember, Jesus saw their faith. He saw the faith of the friends. And because the friends got someone that they cared about to be in this place, to be here, to be in the presence of Jesus, their friend was made whole because of somebody else's faith. That doesn't even make sense. God doesn't even play by any rules except his. And I believe that the man on the ground had the faith too. He had faith knowing that Jesus could do it. And, and when when a move of God happened, he grabbed a hold of it. I think that there is a measure of faith that we have to have on our own, but what this says to me is that your faith matters for other people's lives. Your faith matters for your school. Your faith matters for your family. Your faith matters for your bestie who's an atheist. Your faith matters for someone who doesn't believe in God anymore. Your faith matters for someone who does believe in God and is just a little lost right now. Because if you get someone in this room, it is our job. I've been put on this planet by God to tell the high schoolers, the middle schoolers of this valley what God says. That's why JL's put on this planet, Pastor Joe, Madeline, Brittany, every single person on this staff, Pastor Sarah, we've been put on this planet to do that. And your faith to just get someone in this door could stir a move of God in their life. A move of God. Oof, that's a big move. That's not a little move. That's a big move every single time. But I think that as I close here, we come up against these same tiles. When we climb up to the flat roof and we have that desperation to get someone in here, I think that we come up against some fear sometimes. And it's like, well, if, you know, you, get, you play all these what if games, right? I mean, why are we scared to talk to people about Jesus? And I'm not saying you have to come up to somebody, your friend or someone you barely know. Would you like a personal message about Jesus Christ? <laughs> That's awkward turtles all over it, right? That's weird. You'd probably be like, I'm not talking to Will anymore. I've done that exact thing, by the way, to complete strangers, but not to a friend. <laughs> I, because I'm, I, 
that's just not who I am. Now, if you really are that in your face about it, um, and I've been in that in, in your face about uh, faith to people before because I feel God speaking to me, but I'm saying, why are we so afraid? If my faith to get somebody in here can change their eternity, what do I have to fear? I don't have anything to fear. And when fear comes, lies come. And you get those lies believing, well, our friendship's never gonna be the same again. You're right. What if your friendship has God in the middle of it instead? And instead of them pulling you toward partying, all of a sudden you bring them here and now you're both being pulled toward God. And then when you spend eternity with them in heaven, you get to party it up anyway with Jesus. And you don't need to be basking in disobedience and into all these worldly consequences. Instead, you can bask in uh, crazy miracles and crazy moves of God in your school and in your family. Things that will last in eternity, they'll be written in the book of life. See, these lies that they come, I mean, the, the lie is saying, man, what, what if they say no? If they say no, the Bible says that you still reap eternal reward because you stood up for Jesus. That's in Luke 6. Straight up. If they say no, you say no worries, no pressure. And you can, you can keep praying for them or whatever it is. But you see how simple it is? Like those dudes climbed up a roof, tore a hole in it, and lowered him in front of Jesus. All you have to do is say, hey, you want to come to this place with a foam pit and play volleyball and basketball and there's free like cheesecake minis and coffee? That sounds a lot better than tearing a hole in some guy's roof to me, right? The awkwardness. You get fear, you get lies. You'd be like, it could be awkward because at some point you're going to get your friend in here and then Pastor Joe's going to get up there and he's going to sing the name of Jesus. And to your atheist friend, that could be awkward. Let it be. Because if you are unashamed in the presence of Jesus, they will see that you value it. And because they're your friend, they will honor it. Maybe deep in their heart, maybe they have blow, there, there's some blowback there or whatever it is. But if they see you honoring the Lord unashamed, they're going to be like, wow, maybe there is something here. I've seen it time and time again. Time and time again. Could be a little awkward when Jael gets up next week and she starts preaching about Jesus and she starts preaching about why he came to the earth because every single person on this planet is worth love and is worth eternal life. And you know when you invite someone next week that that's the message they're gonna hear and that's the truth. That's what they're gonna hear. It might get a little awkward because at some point you're gonna have to go home with them or you're gonna see them again and there's that like thing that's like, well, we went to 4640 together and now we have this new part in our relationship. Well... What if they accept Jesus and now have eternal spot in heaven? I think that's worth a little bit awkward, right? I think that's worth it. And in reality, if all you have is just a little bit of fear, now we see what happens to fear in the presence of Jesus, right? It has nothing to, I didn't know it was gonna like explode like that. But the truth is, if you cast these, that was terrifying for me too, just saying, but fear is broken in the name of Jesus, right? You see, fear can't stand up. It can't stand up to the presence of Jesus. So if you just get them here, if you just get them here, next week we are gonna share the gospel. And even if they already know Jesus, but you know they're a little lost, that gospel will bring them back. The gospel's for every single day. I've read uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, gosh, eight, nine times each. And every time I get something new that Jesus is saying to my heart, because 
I need salvation every day. I am born in a fallen world, and when I wake up, the enemy's against me. But if I know that Jesus tore the roof off of sin, death, and the grave for my heart, I will tear the roof off for somebody else's all day long. Are you sensing God trying to give you some desperation tonight? That God's trying to put some desperation in your heart for a friend, for someone that's worth tearing down the lies. I won't explode it again. Tearing down the lies, the awkwardness, the fear, that they're worth it. I mean, you know how easy it is? Jeremy's going to put stuff on Snapchat. Just screenshot it and send it. That's not tearing a hole in some guy's roof. That's just like, zing. That's it. We, give you, we, make it, we want to make it easy for you. Share our posts. If you're on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, share our posts. Get it out there in the schools. Because if we, if we double it tonight with people that either need to come back um, to rededicate themselves or the people that are lost and they don't know Jesus at all, eternity's changing. Your school is changing. Your family's changing. And it doesn't take a lot. Have an invite. We're actually giving these out tonight right here. These little flyers, super easy. Stick them in lockers. In your, in your, in your parking lots, underneath um, windshield wipers. Or if you have that one friend. What I like about this is it's tangible. You send somebody a Snapchat screenshot, they can flick it away, right? This is tangible. That's something that you have to feel, taste. Well, not taste. Feel, touch. <laughs> you could if you wanted. I don't think there's scratch and sniffs or anything like that. But what I'm saying is this goes in their pocket. They have to take it out again at some point. Like it's tangible. They can feel it, right? Sometimes this goes a little bit further. And you know how easy it is to invite someone next week? They could win hundreds of dollars in gift cards and stuff like that. Free lunch. I mean, super easy to get people in the door. But the truth is, we here in 4640, Pastor Jail, is tearing the roof off of what Satan's trying to put over your heads. We want to make it hard to go to hell for anybody here in Mesa County, anybody here in Grand Junction. We need your help. We need the faith of a friend. Your friends need your faith to see a move of God in their life. Be the friend that you would want tearing up the roof for you. Be that friend. Will you guys help us do that this week? You help us do that. Because it's not for me. It's not for our numbers. We don't, we don't, it's about the heart. It's about your friends. Jesus can see your faith and make someone else whole because of it. So everybody close your eyes right now. And I want you to just think, Jesus, who? Who? Who, Lord? Is he putting some, some image of people's faces in your head, names in your head of people that you can invite, someone that you can send a Snapchat to, someone that you can send or, or put your Instagram story as our, as our flyer? What's he stirring desperation in you for? Who? Who is he stirring desperation in you for? I just want to 
as a, as, as a close, I wanna pray over you guys. So with your eyes closed, I just want you to put your hands out like you wanna catch something from heaven. I just wanna pray, pray this blessing over you. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you give every single heart in here a measure of desperation, a measure of desperation to tear the roof off for someone's heart this week. Give them names, give them uh, courage, give them strength to be able to, to get their friend here next week. And yeah, we could win a whole bunch of Taco Bell. That's just added, that's icing, Lord, and please bring it. Jesus, I pray the people that need to be here next week, the friends that need to be here next week, you can see the faith of the people in this room now. And God, that you can make broken whole again. You can make who's broken in this valley, in our schools, whole again. I ask for that next week. I ask for that every single week. And Jesus, I pray as we close tonight, I pray that we can fall more in love with your word, with your scripture, with your story, and more in love with you, Jesus, because you said that we're worth tearing the roof off for. God, I pray that you can give us courage to tear the roof off for other people too. We love you, Lord. We thank you in your heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.